0: You are Locked On Cardinals, your daily St. Louis Cardinals podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: Hello and welcome to the Locked On Cardinals podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I am the Cardinal mega fan. Lucas Smith, your host for the show, taking you through the offseason and what the Cardinals can do to fix their season. Well, we are officially in the offseason as the World Series ended yesterday with the Dodgers winning 3-1 to one over the Tampa Bay Rays. And uh, today's episode on Wednesday, October the 28th, is brought to you by Bilt Bar. Go to BiltBar.com and use promo code locked On, and you'll get 20% off your next order. It was... It was an interesting Game 6, and probably not for the right reasons. You know, when you think of Game 6, we as Cardinal fans think of David Freeze. We also think of Kirby Puckett. You think of Joe Carter. You think of um, Carlton Fisk and all these guys. This was famous for a different reason, and I'm going to talk about three things about this game before I share the second part of the mini-NL Central Crossover episode, um, but I will. I do want to share my thoughts on the World Series Um so yeah, first point: Blake Snell being taken out after seventy some odd pitches and two hits in the fifth inning. I don't care what analytics you show me, and I'm pretty lenient in accepting analytics, especially more so pitching than I am hitting. That was a stupid move. I don't think you can anybody can defend that. Anybody who tries to is going to have to do a really, really, really good job to try and say that that was a good move. You can say, oh, well, they've done that all season, that's their M.O., and I'm going to say I don't care because that that was a completely different circumstance. I know that the Rays are nuanced and they have this, this bullpen thing and their bullpen's really good, but at the end of the day, the eye test needed to be applied in this situation, and it wasn't, and it's unfortunate because Blake Snell was absolutely dealing. He was absolutely masterful, and he didn't get a chance to even continue what he started, let alone finish it. And then four batters later, the Rays were down two to one. Backfire immediately. Rough move on the part of Kevin Cash. But then again, get Dave Roberts it took him what four tries to get a ring, and after countless bad man- managerial moves, he pushed all the right buttons this off this this season. Was it? I mean, I get the players play and they and they they get the results, but still, rough move by Kevin Cash. Second thing. Uh, I'm going to get to the the, the, the elephant in the room third. The second thing, so incredibly happy that Clayton Kershaw has a ring. That man has worked so hard. He has been so good for so long, but the only thing anyone can ever talk about is the postseason resume and the fact that he doesn't have a ring. He's got a ring. Finally has a ring. He pitched extremely well this postseason as well, so you can't use that as an excuse. Congratulations to Clayton Kershaw. And to all of the Dodgers as well, obviously. But especially to Clayton Kershaw. Another long-tenured Dodger that I'm going to talk about for my third point is Justin Turner. What in the hell was that situation? He gets taken out middle of the game because of a positive COVID-19 test that came back in the second inning. And according to, to Derek Gould, that's how the tests have been coming back all year. Middle, you know, early afternoon, middle of the game. That's fine. It is what it is. But oh... My goodness. He gets taken out in the 8th inning, I think 6th, 7th, 8th inning, somewhere around their middle late part of the game. It's reported immediately in the pregame show by Kevin out that he has a positive COVID-19 test and that he's been isolated. Rob Manfred says that live to Tom Verducci, that he has been isolated. And then minutes later, Turner's out there on the field celebrating. It's a World Series trophy. Once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. I get it. I get the desire. But you have just contracted a virus. And it, 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 I think he had two positives is what, what the reports were. So it wasn't like a false positive. You contracted a virus in the middle of a pandemic. You need to isolate. Well, Lucas said he was already around on the teammates. But that doesn't mean all, all the teammates already had it. What if he exposed himself to more teammates? No, well, Lucas, he was wearing a mask the whole time. No, he wasn't. He took his mask off directly next to Dave Roberts in the team picture. Really, the only thing I'm okay with that Justin Turner did was that he was kissing a significant other. That's his own decision. I'm not someone to tell you can't kiss your significant other just because you have a COVID-19 test. That's up to you. But you are endangering everybody else on that field. Media, field personnel, players, coaches, everybody. Yes, he was wearing a mask for most of it. That's a positive. But him coming out there and MLB having to deal with this is a huge negative. Absolutely huge, ginormous negative. Fail. Baseball has been, not ruined, but they've been ridiculed by their lack of management of this. And then on the final day of the season, when all we should be talking about is the World Series championship, is Mookie Betts, is how good the Rays were, how good this series was. But instead, all we can talk about, all we're forced to talk about is what the hell happened with Justin Turner. It's really, really unfortunate that we've had to do this. I've said my piece. I don't want to delay the conversation between Sean, Jeff, and I anymore. Congratulations to the Dodgers. Congratulations to David Roberts and Clayton Kershaw on the man in the ownership group at Los Angeles. Congratulations, honestly. But man, baseball is... And we, we, don't, we don't know all the, situa- all the information yet maybe, but baseball has a serious problem on their hands if we do. So with that said, again, congratulations to everybody. Uh, I'm going to share part two. This is going to end up being a three-part release um, of the conversation between Sean and I uh, and Jeff and I just because of how long this little intro was. So here's part two of three uh, between the conversation of, of Sean, Jeff, and I have locked on Reds, Jeff, and locked on Cubs, Sean. So part two of three. Part uh, three will be released tomorrow. So Enjoy.
0: And, um, I, well, and, and, and I can throw this bombshell out there here, too. I, I saw something today, and we can talk about it more uh, throughout the rest of this podcast, but um, I'm hearing that the DH needs to be renegotiated to be a thing in 2021. Like, yeah. as is, there's not going to be a DH in the NL, which is going to be kind right. of a, uh, a thorn in the side for the Reds lineup. So, uh, I don't know. What are you guys hearing about that? And, Sean, what are the cubs going to do? Dude, that is a
2: wonderful question. I'm uh <laughs> I'm really glad you asked me. Uh no, uh the DH, <laughs> yes. Uh the DH right now as stands does have to be renegotiated. I think everyone just assumed it would probably be added on, but I have seen some like questions about like whether the National League can or will bring that back. I would assume there would be too much uh, <laughs> too much upset national league teams uh for the DH not to return. So I would assume that's your back. But um yeah, man, that would that would really throw a wrench into a lot of things. Um <laughs> in terms of what the Cubs can do, I guess if I had to pick one guy, um there's there's two guys I'd probably really love to add to this roster. The one who I, I don't really see being an option but would love to see it happen would be DJ LeMayhew. Um you kind of mentioned it at, at the reason why mainly uh Jeff is like the bottom half of the Cubs lineup was 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 good actually, but you know, um, over the last couple of years is brutal. Um, it was the top portion of the lineup that wasn't great, but getting someone like DJ LeMayhu in the Cubs lineup helps because he's a high contact bet, but he also drives the ball. Well, he hits high average. Um, he was right up there with Tim Anderson this year, once again, for the American league batting title. Um, he plays pretty good second base. It's not like anything special defensively, but obviously that bat, it's just a lot different than what the Cubs have in their lineup. Um, they, they need those high average, high contact guys that can put the ball in the air. Um, they've got contact guys in Elmora and uh, Nico Horner, but they're really good at putting the ball on the ground and not elevating. So getting someone like DJ LeMahieu helps kind of change the focus because you kind of look at the rest of that lineup and it's kind of been the Cubs issue for the last couple of years, even though it was kind of, put out as a strength but the cubs could conceivably put any hitter from like one through six or maybe even seven in any spot in that lineup and you could say yeah that makes sense and that's great to some extent but the teams these last couple of years have figured out the cubs all kind of struggle on the same pitches because they're conceivably the same hitter one through six it's all power hitter who, who, who will walk and take their pitches but it's pretty much looking for fastballs um DJ of May helps change that a little bit. So I'd be interested to see him sign. Um, the other guy I really want, and I, I, I think the Cubs, if the DH – this is entirely contingent on the DH. So if they don't have the DH, this would suck. But um, I would love to see a guy like Nelson Cruz come to the Cubs. Um, a guy that's never really been a, a guy the Cubs could go after. the the D, The DH, the straight DH type of guy. Um, putting him in that cub lineup i mean that dude's just gonna hit home runs like and and that's all he's kind of done these last couple years he's hit nearly 40 home runs the last couple years but what's been encouraging as he's gotten older he's actually become a better hitter he's hitting for a higher average these last couple years with the twins his babbitt's higher on base percentage just still hovering near 400 percent or yeah 400 excuse me so like I mean, that's, that's, that's incredible. That's, that's exactly yeah. what the Cubs would need. And it's the exact type of hitter they've never been able to really go after. Um, so it'd be cool to see that. Um, will that happen? Probably not. Uh, we'll more than likely see a, a mid level signing. Like I, I, Jonathan scopes probably the guy that's realistically going to come in on this Cubs team, but um, that type of fridge player, but uh, I would love to see them swing for the fences and sign a Nelson Cruz, especially like 38, 39. Like he's not going to ask for a lot of money. It's probably a one year deal. He either hits a bunch of home runs or strikes out a lot. Either way, you've got the same issue ahead if it doesn't work out. So,
1: <laughs> more from Jeff, Sean, and I in just a moment. But I do want to tell you about today's sponsor, Built Bar. The new and improved Built Bar is even more delicious than before. They have six new flavors. My favorite one is cookies and cream, and they have twelve amazing original flavors. My favorites include banana bread, salted caramel, double chocolate. Orange and coconut, they're soft, easy to chew, and covered 100% in chocolate. So you know that's delicious. But even though they're covered 100% in chocolate, that does not mean they're not healthy. In fact, they're incredibly healthy. You can lose or maintain weight while indulging into a delicious treat. Bars are low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, great for the keto diet. For example, my favorite one, cookies and cream only has excuse me—has 17 grams of protein, 130 calories, 7 grams of sugar, 7 grams of net carbs. Incredibly healthy. You can lose or maintain weight with this delicious treat. Right now, while supplies last, get a free cooler with your purchase at BuiltBar.com. You can also go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off your next order. Use promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. Yeah, I think w- w- with the DH, again, m- my thoughts on it are probably. I'm in the minority for, for, for most people. I don't like the <laughs> DH. I get it. I get why it's a thing. I'm more of a traditionalist, but I'll, I'll, I won't get on my soapbox right now because I have a question for you guys. Um, sure. You guys can get your stats on Bauer and Darvish out now if you guys don't have them up already. Because the Cubs and Reds both have Cy Young contenders. And I, I'll be the moderator for, for this question. Um, <laughs> and wh- whether you actually think you're, you're guys going to win or not, I want to hear you guys' arguments. Jeff, why you think Trevor Bauer will win? And Sean, why you think you Darvish will win? And because I got a lackluster introduction, Jeff, you get to go first. <laughs> That's fair.
0: That's fair. I'll take it. <laughs> so, <laughs> I love it. So, uh, Bauer in 11 starts this season was absolutely phenomenal. He had a 1.73 ERA. He did have two complete games now I will allow that one of those complete games was in a seven inning doubleheader, but his biggest start of the season came against the Brewers late in September on three days rest in which he came in and was near perfect he gave up a couple of base runners in that game but was absolutely phenomenal Uh, I don't necessarily know if they go crazy with the ERA plus but his ERA plus was 276 like That's insane to me. His FIP at 288 says he was getting a little bit lucky, but come on. I mean, that's not that big a difference there. Strikeouts per nine at 12.3. And overall, he was a guy that the Reds could look for to be the stopper. You know, we always talk about guys in the rotation that if some of the other guys have faltered and if the Reds are on a bit of a losing streak, you throw Bauer in there and you get things rolling on the winning side, and he was able to do that for the team. But overall, I think when you look at his body of work, and I'm not a mathematician, so I couldn't figure this part out, but 100 strikeouts in 11 starts probably figures to be really good over the course of a full season. So I I, I look at him, and I think that he is the favorite to win this NL Cy,
2: yeah i mean i uh, for what it's worth i agree with you jeff but um for the sake of this argument um (laughs) i will say uh you darvish uh just incredible i I, you look at the body of work what he was putting together before um the 2017 or 2018 season and uh just didn't quite look like himself uh last year we saw him in the second half really start to figure it out and he was essentially the same guy he was in that second half uh just incredible uh nasty, nasty stuff. A 2.01 ERA, which was great. He was worth three war this year. He led the Cubs, which is nuts. Um, the, I think the most ridiculous stat I could see for him, in 2018, you Darvish struck out about 11 batters per nine innings but walked just under five batters per nine innings. In 2020, he struck out about 11 batters again but walked 1.66 batters per nine innings. Um, Left-down base percentage at nearly 84%. Uh, His home run fly ball rate, which had skyrocketed for the four years in a row from 12 to 15 to 17 to 22.8 last year, went down to 8.8. Darvish just minimized all of his mistakes. And on top of that, he throws 11 freaking pitches (laughs) on just any day. And he'll just pick up a ball, throw a pitch a couple times, and says to his catcher, Victor Carantini, yeah, let's mix this in today. I'm going to throw a knuckleball today, like, (laughs) because... Like that's nuts. And it it's crazy to see just when he came to the Cubs just two years ago, wasn't quite himself, only managed eight starts. Chicago was ruthless. Um <laughs> yeah. they replaced Jake Arrieta with Hugh Darvish, who made eight starts and looked awful in all of them. Um walked more batters than he nearly walked more batters than he struck out to turn into this player he is now at thirty-four years old. Um it was just special. A special year. He was Absolutely dominant. You could say, honestly, as great as you, Darvish, was this year, that Kyle Hendricks might have been more – maybe not consistent, but maybe more big in certain moments. He stepped up a little Mm -hmm. bit in times when the Cubs needed him to. But Darvish was just absolute nails all season. And as as great as the season as Trevor Bauer had – if you were going to hang your head on something for Darvish, I, I really think it's just that he's come so far <laughs> um, from where he was, where it looked like this contract could be a nightmare to turn it into a guy the Cubs see as an asset for the next couple of years, which is special.
1: Yeah, I, I think. Th- Go ahead, Jeff. Oh, sorry, moderator. Go ahead. <laughs> no, you're good. You're, you're, you can respond, Jeff. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, I, I mean, I think that you, Darvish, really was a a, a guy that shut that. Not that everybody shut down the Reds lineup most of the time this year. But whenever (laughs) he was on the mound, it was really hard to see how the Reds were going to score runs against a guy like that. And Mm kind of like you mentioned, it was like every other game you heard – because I think you, Darvish, pitched a couple of times against the Reds, so every time the Reds announcers were watching him pitch, they're like, what's that pitch? Where did yeah. that come from? <laughs> right. I, think, I think it broke up, and then it came down. What, what, what's going on here? But, yeah, overall, he, he was a lot of fun to watch, and definitely the main contender. Like, I know that I'm sure there's Mets fans out there that probably think Jake DeGrom should be in the conversation, but I think it's a two-horse race at this point. Yeah,
2: I, I feel the same way, especially since DeGrom's won it the last couple of years. Like I get, you know, you don't want to not yeah. give a guy an award if he earned it. Yeah. But I, I think this year especially, it's it's very clearly Trevor Bauer is, is one and, and Darvish is probably maybe 1A or two there. But those guys have been fun. And like you said, I think the big thing for Darvish or for uh, for for Bower is that he just came in in moments when the Reds needed him to win and pulled out a freaking win uh, for an offense that just couldn't get it together. For to know Bauer was like, yeah, I can go eight and and not give up a run for you—that's huge. Plus, he yeah. made a lot of really good gifs. Yes. <laughs> he's very funny. I love watching his YouTube channel. He's great at breaking down pictures. Except for when he's giving Javi Bai a shade. He's having a rough season, Trevor. He doesn't have video <laughs> in the dugout. All right. Oh, I don't want to hear that excuse.
1: I don't want to hear it. That, that's ridiculous. <laughs> Uh, I think both these guys it, – it's fun to talk about winning awards because the Cardinals won't win, won't win many this offseason, so I appreciate you guys indulging me in that conversation. Um, but it's just funny that you look at – you know both these guys had not only – because you mentioned Darvish had a really good year, in his first year really good as a Cub. He had his best season really since 2013, in which he finished second in the Cy Young. And Bauer really had his first good quality full season since 2018 as well. So both these guys kind of resurged themselves, if that's the proper use of that word. Um, <laughs> You know, yeah. these guys have had the talent for a long time. It feels like especially Darvish. I, I, whenever I play baseball, I had this pitching instructor that said, whenever you Darvish is healthy, there's no question as to who's the best pitcher in the game. Because of his ability to throw the 11 pitches and all these other different things that he talked about that went over my head, which is why I, I don't play baseball anymore. Um, <laughs> but when, when you look at how effective Darvish is with all 11 pitches, because I feel like sometimes guys try to throw five pitches and that's too much because they can't master all five. For Darvish to have some sort of mastery on 11 pitches, I think is absolutely ridiculous, in my opinion. And that deserves a lot of respect. But I tend to agree with you guys. I think Bauer will win this. He's only 5-4, and but I think wins are starting to get less and less, uh, or rather more and more obsolete uh, nowadays. I mean, I think DeGrom won it, won it a couple years ago with like nine wins or something like that. Hernandez won it 10 years ago with like 13 wins or something crazy like that. Um, so I think that the wins and losses don't matter. When you look at all the, the statistics, I mean, Jeff, you ran off a couple of them. He led the league in ERA, led the league in ERA+, plus, led the league in WHIP, led the league in lowest hits for nine innings one qualifiers. So I just think that Bauer, Bauer does get the, the Cy Young nod, in my opinion.
2: Yeah, I mean, those, those stats always dictate to who's dominating a game, and clearly Bauer did it just about every
0: start. And just for the sake of uh, looking at the whole idea of obsolete pitcher win and loss record, there, there was a couple of games. I remember one in particular that Bauer pitched seven and two thirds innings. It was zero to zero. They bring in Michael Lorenzen to relieve him for one out. And then um, the next inning, the Reds score a bunch of runs yeah. and Michael Lorenzen gets the win. It's like, okay, he wasn't the guy that like willed them on to victory, but yeah, whatever. I guess we'll throw the one the number in the win column at him, but uh yeah, I I I've always been against pitcher win losses, but <laughs> I want to move on from the Cy Young conversation. I want to talk about some young guys. And unfortunately, we don't have uh our Pirates guy here with us, but Lucas, yeah. I'm going to ask you because the uh the kind of two-headed part of this conversation, two-pronged part of this conversation, maybe Sean you can take the other side on this one is who is the more exciting prospect in the NL Central? Is it Dylan Carlson or is it Key Brian
1: Hayes? That, ooh, that, that's a good question because Key Brian Hayes was impressive this season. Um, I'll pull up a stat to, as I start talking, but I'll, I'll take Dylan Carlson's side as uh, <laughs> we'll come to shock to no one. Um, Dylan Carlson is your prototypical outfielder baseball player. He, he he can run, he can throw, he can hit the typical five-tool guy. And he, he's kind of the guy that Cardinals are kind of pinning, uh, pinning th- this next trajectory of the season towards. His final line was not good, 200 batting average um, in, in terms of – sorry, my computer's slow. Uh, he, he hit 200, OPS plus a 66, but whenever he came back, because um, he, he, he got called up, and then he got sent back down. And sent, when he got called back up was whenever he really started to look good. He got called back up um, right after September 18th, as I highlight those games in the game log on the wonderful website of Baseball Reference. But in, in those games, he hit back up to 286. He hit three home runs, drove in uh, 11, four doubles. He was an extra base hit machine. So Dylan Carlson is one of those guys that, he can hit, he can run, he can throw. He can really do it all, and he can do it all at a high level. He's done nothing at the minor leagues, minor leagues, but hit. It took him a little bit to adjust to the breaking ball, especially to the changeup. Even when he got called back up, his changeup, uh, his numbers against the changeup weren't good. But I think that w- with him kind of dipping his toe in the water in 2020, I think that it will propel him to 2021, and he can really play any of the three outfield positions at an elite level. So I'm going with Dylan Carlson and you can call him it the same offensively, but I think Carlson's ability to play three different positions at that elite level. I think that elevates him over the top.
2: Yeah, Carlson's a talented guy, and uh, but like you said, the numbers didn't really suggest it this year, but he, he didn't really have much help in that offensive lineup either, um, so that was, that was tough too. But um, what key Brian Hayes did this year, especially, I mean, I, I know he made his debut against the Cubs and made us look real silly, um, he's, he's a very fast player. He's got incredible speed, but um, he's such an interesting player in the sense that he's a guy that he does have some pop in his bat. I don't think he's necessarily a home run type hitter, um, but he did find some power during 2019 a little bit. Um, he's a guy that's going to probably create a lot with his legs, though. Um, you wonder longevity-wise how that'll last, but in terms of like what the Pirates have now – you talk about, like, Key Brian Hayes. You talk about, like, Josh Bell. Um, those players alone, those that's nice to build off of. You wonder what the Pirates have going for them on. Beyond that, though, they have obviously some talented prospects coming through in the next few years, but some of these pieces are likely going to get moved, so you question, like, what exactly this looks like. But in terms of, like, having a player to build around, Key Brian Hayes is a fun player to have. If you're a Pittsburgh Pirate fan, he's going to steal bases – He's great at getting on base with that speed, which is nice to see. Usually you see a high-contact guy like him having to kind of manufacture hits and runs. He does have pop off the bat. He does hit gap to gap. Um, In terms of, like, who's the more important player, probably Carlson. At the moment right now, the Cardinals really do need a bat, and he's probably been that guy, the bat, for a little bit. Him and was it Lane Thomas, is that the other one, too? He's got a decent – he had a couple home runs for the Cardinals a couple years ago, right, Lucas?
1: Yeah, yeah, he, he, he took a step back in 2020, but he, he would be the other guy that kind of – the young mm-hmm. outflow prospect that I would look at. Um, and, you, and you look at Carlson, too, as the success didn't stop in the postseason. Um, he, he was three for nine. He hit, uh, didn't hit any home runs, but had a couple of extra base hits in the series against San Diego. So that's what I like to see. It wasn't just like, you know, the, Cardinals, the schedule didn't have to do anything with it. It was really Carlson's talent that came through. And, you know, the, 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 the resurgence did not stop in the postseason when he was probably facing – a really good team in San Diego, and he's still produced. So I just think that – and like you said, Sean, with the way the Cardinals' offense is and how badly they need a bat, how badly they need protection for Goldschmidt, uh, some other guy that, that can hurt you on a consistent basis, I think Carlson is that guy for St. Louis big time.
2: Yeah, definitely. Uh, defensively, too, Carlson's just a stud. Uh, great arm, fields the position well, like you said, can play all three positions if necessary. Uh, keep Ryan Hayes. Uh, the glove is, is is really good. It's hard to figure out where he's going to be, but his arm is so strong. They've been sticking him at third. Um, he's just a he's a, a guy that he does a lot of things you wouldn't necessarily expect a top prospect to be good at. Um because like it's usually like you see the guys like like a, a Nico Horner for instance for the Cubs a, a top prospect but not nearly as talented as a Key Brian Hayes does a lot of like certain little things well just like you know underhand throws to second fielding grounders well on t- tough hops those type of things Key Brian Hayes does all that too but then he's got this arm that's like. I mean, gosh, it's he could easily you could see him pulling off some Nolan Arenado type highlights at third base. But if I had to pick a guy that I, I would think would be more important to their team, probably Carlson, just because the Cardinals are going to probably be a better team these next couple of years. Yeah,
0: and I feel like too when you look at Carlson's uh, profile, his BABIP during the regular season was 260, so he's getting a little bit unlucky. I mean, not a ton unlucky, but he made a lot of hard contact and was going right at guys. He even hit a dinger off of reds pitching this season so i i think moving forward the numbers that we saw for this regular season for carlson are going to be a lot different and on the flip side carl or uh key brian hayes his outrageous numbers in a inc sample size are going to come down because his up was insanely high he hit like 465 on the got Babbitt, that's going to come down. But overall, I think both of these guys are a talent to watch. Keep Brian Hayes. I don't think the Reds got him out, which is a testament to him. <laughs> so it's going to be interesting to see how these guys move forward. I think uh, both are going to be uh, big when it comes to the Central. But I think I'm with you. I think Carlson's got more talent, and you fall back on talent uh, when it comes to baseball. Yeah, the only thing you worry about with Carlson is the strikeout numbers. Key Brian Hayes
2: does have great play to play. Uh, Great patience. We did see that a little bit come through last year. He walked nearly 10% of his bats last year. Um, small sample size, of course, 24 games. That isn't a lot. Um, but he's he's walked nearly, like, I think it's close to 10% throughout his minor league career. So that's an encouraging sign. But, you know, yeah. two fun guys that will definitely be part of the NL Central conversation in a few years. So, um I wanted to talk about this before we wrapped up here. Um, It's hard not to look at least to the two World Series teams. I know I talked about this a little bit with you guys before we jumped on, but you look at what the Reds have been able to do – or the Reds, geez. (laughs) The Reds have been great, but uh, the the Rays. The Rays have been able to do with uh, accumulating talent, finding – you know, it always seems like they take everyone's broken pitcher and turn him into an all-star. Um, they've done that with their bullpen, their starters. Um, and then you look on the flip side of the Dodgers, they've been really good at obviously acquiring great talent like Mookie Bats, but also drafting Corey Seegers and Cody Bellinger's of the world. Jock Peterson's still a really good player. That, that probably doesn't make sense on this roster much longer, but it's going to go find a home on another team. But you look at how these two teams have put together their nucleus, I guess their core players, and then you look at what, the rest of these NL Central teams are, it, 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 it doesn't quite match up. It feels like maybe despite us having four playoff teams in this division, it feels like our teams, at least for the Cubs, from my perspective, I feel like I'm a step behind a lot of these teams. How are you guys
1: feeling right now watching this World Series? I feel like the Rays stole Randy Rosarena from us, and I'm very upset. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wasn't going to say anything. but <laughs> I, wanted to hear
0: your t- I wanted to hear your take on that.
1: Okay, here, here, here's my take on that. Randy Rosarena is hitting at an unbelievable level right now. Will he hit like this for the rest of his career? Probably not. That's, that's obvious. But the point of the fact is for the St. Louis Cardinals, you had all these outfielders you could throw into that Jose Martinez trade because Martinez didn't make sense on the roster, couldn't play him anywhere because he was liability on defense. I didn't mind getting rid of him. I really loved getting back tour. But when you look at guys that you can trade, when you have a guy like Tyler O'Neill, Harrison Bader, and Andy Rosarena, John Lose, like the president of baseball operations, went on record a couple of days ago saying that they thought all three of them were comparable. It's really not that close, especially when you look at the two center fielders of Bader and Rosarena. Uh, I, I tweeted out a thread that I'm not going to dig through right now, but the doubt for their, their minor league numbers are actually somewhat close. Arena is a tick better. But what highlights to me is the strikeout rate and how often Harrison Bader struck out. So would you have seen Randy Rosarena breaking the postseason record for home runs and hits in one postseason? No, but I think you definitely could have seen a Rosarena being a better player than Harrison Bader hindsight's 2020. 20. I get it, baseball's weird, you're not going to win every trade, but I really didn't like giving up this trade. There's some rumors flying around that he really only got traded because he released a video last offseason of a profanity-laden speech um, of, of Mike Schilt following a postseason win, and that didn't really sit well with the Cardinals. The truth to that will always be unknown. But I, I just think that Matthew Liebertor better be the real freaking deal if you're going to give up Randy <laughs> That's all I'm saying. That's Man. all I'll say about it. I don't want to talk yeah. about it anymore. I just think that Randy is a really good player, the Cardinals should have kept. I'm done.
2: There's uh, there's no way he doesn't have like a David Freeze esque like postseason like remembrance now like I feel like he'll pop mm-hmm. up on a because I I mean ho- I hope he turns into a star that'd be awesome I, maybe not for your sake Lucas but I, I <laughs> hope he does but yeah in a couple of years we could probably see him pop up on a roster and someone plays highlight reel from this postseason but yeah. um, Jeff what's uh what's your take how are you feeling looking at your roster for the Reds and then looking at these two World Series teams.
0: Yeah, I definitely think that there's a vast gulf, especially in the, the fielding capabilities. I mean, when you look at Kevin Kiermaier in center field, there's a large Oof. circle what where if you hit a fly ball, it's an out. Like, Kevin Kiermaier's not going to let that thing drop. And then overall on the Dodgers' side, they're really good at putting together rallies. And even though they do hit a ton of home runs, they're also able to hit not home runs and get runs off of them if that makes any sense. I just tied my mind into yeah. a pretzel. No. Um. <laughs> the Reds it. were terrible at that. They had to hit home runs to score runs. And it was – while it was something where it's like, okay, well, they hit a bunch of home runs, it was still really stressful to watch mm-hmm. every game and know that, all right, we got guys on base, but we need a dinger. They're, they're not going to get a base hit. So that was something that both teams are really good – at uh, putting together and, you know, batched pickles notwithstanding. We saw what happens in game four (laughs) if you just put the ball in play. So I I think that that's something moving forward, kind of like you mentioned with going after D.J. Lemayhew. Let's see some more contact, guys. we got so many big boppers in this uh, division not even just the Reds, but in this whole entire division that it's like, all right, let's mix in some uh, basic guys, which hopefully Shogo Akiyama, who I love. I can't wait to see him play more and more and more. But hopefully he turns into that guy. But, yeah, overall I'm looking at – I don't want to say small ball because I was so tired of hearing Alex Rodriguez talk about bunting on ESPN's Uh. broadcast of the Reds and Braves games. But I want to see more base hits, more – runs and hits and hits and runs and things like that.